It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everybody, welcome into Dublin to Denver, the Irish Denver Broncos podcast, proudly on the Mile High Report podcast network. This is our first ever episode. My name is Michael McQuaid. I'm joined with Colin Cronin and Stuart Roach. Uh, three lads in Ireland, big Broncos fans talking about the Broncos. Before we get into any discussion, we'd like to take this opportunity to thank the guys at Mile High Report for putting their trust in us to provide a Broncos podcast at least once a week, hopefully twice a week from now, obviously during the Broncos season as well. I guess, lads, before we start talking about the current situation with the Broncos and what our hopes are for not just in training camp, but for the season ahead, will we even go through ourselves for people that might be hearing our voices or our accents for the first time and maybe explain uh, maybe a bit about ourselves and, and why we're a Broncos fan. So, Colm, do you want to go first? Sure, yeah. So, um, three three lads from Ireland and there won't be a, a H and a TH word to, to be found. Um, I've been a Broncos fan since the 1989 season when they showed TV highlights over here after Italian soccer highlights. And there was a team that played in neon orange and they had this incredible number seven and he seemed to just be all over the, the screen and, I was just enraptured by the him, by the the team, and just fell in love with with the Broncos. Obviously, that that uh, that um, season ended uh, with um, the biggest beatdown in Super Bowl history. Uh, I think the there there I I I am convinced that that Forty ers team would have beaten anybody anybody in the history of football. They were so on it that night. Montana and Rice put on. 
uh, just a performance for the ages. But that did not deter me from my love of the, the Broncos and have been following since. And I think what's probably interesting as being a fan from 5,000 miles away was at that point, we had the highlights on Monday night. So you could actually, you know, keep up with the games. And that was great kind of through the, the 90s. And, you know, then obviously the, the Super Bowl wins and, and everything that went uh, with that was, was great. But I suppose at the end of the 90s, that highlights pa- package ended. And so it became, you know, increasingly difficult to to keep up. You were reliant on newspaper reports because the Internet was still in its dial up age. And so I, I couldn't afford the, the Sky package, uh, the, the, you know, the premium sports package that, that we had. So it was like reliant on newspapers. So I've gone through these phases and then. Um, came to work in Dublin, was able to afford to get Sky uh, so can watch the games again. And then you have like the the rise of the, the Internet, which is um, a blessing and a curse during the Peyton Manning era. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and uh, over the last five years, less so, because there is no reason not to miss a game now. But it means you're watching a game at like 20 past three in the morning. And we all know our offensive struggles over the past few years. So it has been some um, some tough going. But I'm like a guy with a sore tooth. I can't stop touching it. If the Broncos are on television, I'm going to, to watch it. So, yeah, since 1989 and obviously some incredible, um, you know, wins, some incredible players, some incredible memories uh, along the way. And hoping that we'll uh, at at least uh, this season there'll be some uh, memorable moments. I'm sure. Stuart, you've been a fan for a, a wee bit longer than Colm has. Yeah, just um, slightly longer than Colm. I think um, it was the uh, the year of the '86 Super Bowl that uh, Denver, uh, my first season supporting Denver, ended like Colm's with a, a Super Bowl defeat. Um, this time to the Giants. Uh, it's kind of harder for for younger listeners to 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 realise that. In the 80s, particularly in Ireland um, and, and in the UK as well, there wasn't a huge amount of televised sport. Um, you know, now you can pretty much, you can find a game. If I want to watch a game of Australian rules, I'll be able to find it somewhere. You know, there's wall-to-wall coverage. Back in the 80s, it was very difficult. So there was a kind of an element of, if if you if you were into sport, if you liked sport, if there was something on, you'd give it a, you'd give it a go. Do you know what I mean? So you'd end up watching all these strange sports. I kind of knew about American football because my dad had done, uh, he with business he'd gone to America and he supported he'd seen a few Bears games uh, when he was over in Chicago so he supported the Bears and like a lot of Irish families I think you guys would be the same your your teams are kind of passed down from 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 one generation to the next so we're all equally suffering Manchester United supporters I presume because your dad or an uncle or something whereas American football my old man was happy enough to let me pick the team that I wanted and it was purely by sort of serendipity. American football got a bit of a push that season on Channel 4, um, which is an English channel that we got. Um, they'd have a highlights package on the Sunday, and then they would show a game on Sunday evening. And there was also a magazine that came out around the same time. It's a really glossy magazine. There's a newness to this sport. It was kind of similar to rugby, which I played and I liked. So that, again, kind of made, you know, you, it all began to kind of sort of sort of uh, add up. Um, 
the Broncos, for the simple reason that the first couple of weeks that I watched the Channel 4 highlights, the Broncos were involved in three or four really interesting high-scoring games. The very first game I saw was the Broncos against the Raiders in Denver. Um, didn't know much about it, but this number seven guy was incredible. He was pulling off these unbelievable throws, escaping from the pocket, this kind of stuff. Saw him again the following week. And then gradually he began to kind of go, okay, I seem to keep catching this team. I don't have a team. I'm interested. And that was the year the Giants and the Broncos, they were kind of be, it was clear they were going to be on a collision course um, that was going to come out in the Super Bowl. It kind of, it, it, it was kind of copper fastened by the fact that I was, I was in boarding school and I had to go to the dentist very, very early in January on a Monday morning. And it made sense. We were allowed to go home for the weekends. It made sense for me to stay home on the Sunday night to go to the dentist at 8 o'clock rather than my dad come and pick me up from school. And it so happened that that was the night of the AFC Championship game against the Cleveland Browns with Drive. So I saw the Drive live on Channel 4. Um, and that was one of the greatest sporting moments that I've ever seen. It was phenomenal. It's, it, it still gives you goosebumps to watch it now, but to see it live was unbelievable. And Colin, you've kind of touched on it. However, I was watching it live and I had no one to share this experience with. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> because I couldn't tell my dad. He couldn't care less. He supported the Bears. My mum was asleep. My sister was like, what is this stupid game? These people in helmets. Um, so it kind of took off from there. Um, like Colin said, it was one of those things like you could, the, the way you'd find out a result was a thing, the, the evening press and the evening herald used to have a tiny little column on Monday when they released an edition where they'd have the results. And that's how you'd, You'd find it if the team had won or not. You know, then you get into the internet, then you get onto Sky Sports, then you get onto Game Pass. So it's 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 amazing that you you know you look back and you go, it was so difficult to be a fan. It was a real passion, and uh, it was you know there was something, but there was something kind of sort of cool about that, you know. Um, whereas now, for example, earlier on, I was able to watch some clips from the the, the training camp practices against the Vikings. You know, so that's that's where we're at. So. As coverage has grown, we've suffered. Um, but, you know, hey, hopefully this is going to be a, a more enjoyable season than the last few have, have been. But, yeah, that's that's me. So a little older than Colin, but same kind of sort of start, you know. You used to have got, like, this fantastic story of how you're Broncos fans. And, like, I, I like this is the point where I think people listening are going to go, what the hell? But I already have, a, like, a proper story that I got there. You know, like, for me, it was in college in Belfast coming home after a night out having a few drinks and uh, I think it was Monday Night Football Tebow against the Jets and it started from there so obviously I was infatuated and and my my well, girlfriend now wife had purchased me a jersey you know the works Tebow jersey and suddenly Peyton Manning comes in and it just goes from there but that, that, even though it's it's hard to believe it's now 10 years from that moment that, that Tebow season against the Jets and stuff and it all goes into that there but that, that that's been my sort of experience I've been to Denver now um, I think four or five times four times and I'm 0-4 in Denver that's that's my claim to oh fame God. I know yeah if, you're never allowed to go to a playoff game never allowed to go to well, a playoff game <laughs> the last game I went to was the uh, the Bears game kickoff 20 it's hard to believe to say this now 2019 that Bears game. And I remember leaving Mile High Stadium or, or whatever it was called back back then. I think it was like, it wasn't Empire Field anyway, but I remember leaving the stadium going, yeah, like, look, I'll, I'll try and get back November, December. <laughs> 
since then there's been a global pandemic the broncos have had a london game cancelled and i mean it doesn't look like i'm going to get to the game this season but no even at that and all 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 three of us boys have been involved with uh, broncos europe over the last four or five years as well and just to meet broncos fans from you know obviously around europe and, and around the world in so many different countries it's been a fantastic fantastic honor and i have no doubts Obviously, we, we, we've all got our own experience supporting the Broncos here, but I think the Broncos fans internationally are the best international NFL fans without a shadow of a doubt. There's obviously teams that have more fans, but I, I really believe that, maybe biased. But yeah, it, it's been an interesting few years. And you know what? I think sometimes it takes a couple of seasons, like the ones that we've had over the last four or five years, to make, to make you truly appreciate the great moments such as 2015. Uh, I was living in Spain when, everyone, when we won the Super Bowl, and it was just... It was just a fantastic experience, but I guess for us, you know, this is our next step, and I, I, I would hope that anybody listening to this in the states, especially, can can obviously understand us. I think nowadays as well, boys, they have the facility to go like, is it not point five slower, like to actually understand us? Uh, because I, I can speak very fast, Colm. You're more of a slow speaker with with this whole Irish accent, though. Yeah, well, I suppose I've been working with international students for fifteen years, so that tends to take the edge off of your accent. I couldn't be speaking with a Cork accent, and uh, my my wife is originally from Minnesota, so uh, probably probably that all all of those things combined tend to take the uh the edge off a little bit but um yeah look michael i think in terms of the the fans around the world like getting to meet fans here in in dublin when they come over and and meeting people in the in the wool shed uh, meeting people just all around the country seeing people with broncos gear going up chatting to them but the opportunity to then meet up with people in denver when um you know i've gone over and i've been very fortunate that i've outside of last year i think i've been over at least once a year um for the previous decade or or thereabouts so i do endeavor to make a pilgrimage to the mile high city once a year the plan is to um get over in november for thanksgiving and take in the the chargers game i always seem to to hit a divisional game well certainly in the last the last few years which has um been been good and bad because they're they're competitive but you haven't always come out but uh the, the last Chargers game I was at was uh, Drew Locke's debut, which was memorable to to say the least. So if uh, you know if they, we got a a, a late game uh, game winning field goal to beat the Chargers this time around, I'd take that. Well, we're not going to bore you with the talk from the draft to now, but obviously it's been a while since us three lads have actually spoke together about the Broncos officially in a podcast or video form we actually talked whenever elway stepped down we were live online talking about it and i think that was the last time that we all properly spoke so it's good to have this discussion now a lot obviously has changed beforehand but this segment for us we're going to focus on who we think will be i guess the starting quarterback lads going into that first game of the season in new york uh i'm not going to give away my answer yet but i'm presuming gentlemen that we're going to be deciding between Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. I mean, I think that Aaron Rodgers talk is well down the road now, as excited as we were two or three months ago. But Colin, if you were a betting man, and just from your own viewpoint on the team and what you've been following in training camp at Dove Valley, who do you think will be the guy when it comes to the first game in September? Well, um, 
I think before I even get to that, I, I, I disagree with the way in which the team, the franchise has approached this. I think we have made the, the wrong decision. I think there shouldn't be a quarterback competition. I think one of two things should have happened. Either we should have decided we were going all in with Drew and we were running it back and we were allowing him to really have that third year to find out if he could do it or not. And we were going to go and, and see if it if it was the fact that it was the COVID year and it was the lack of last um, year, the, the proper offseason, OTAs, training camp, preseason, all that sort of stuff, which had the impact. Um, or we should have decided we were moving on from Drew and, and drafted somebody. But the idea of bringing in, to me, a hedge in Teddy, I don't see what that does for anybody. Because what it does is it, it just it, it takes away snaps from your starting QB. We saw it this week, Patrick Mahomes, who's probably the best QB in the league. I mean, some people might say it's Rodgers um, and, you know, some people might still want to say it's Brady because of what he does. But Patrick Holmes is phenomenal, but he talked this week about how important the reps in training camp are. And that's the best QB in the league who's still learning, who says it's still really important. And we, by by splitting those reps, and we've also given reps uh, to Brett Ripien, like, it, that makes no sense to me. I just, I don't understand the thinking behind it. I would have gone all in on Locke and I, that, you know, I, I was really high on, on Drew last year, um, going, you know, and it, it didn't work out. And for that reason, I would have been okay if the team said, look, we're going to go in, in the, given what we have, where we're picking in the draft, we're going to pick and we're going to run it with the, the rookie and we'll, you know, we'll deal with the teething pains. I, I would have understood either of those decisions, but for me to to bring in Teddy, it it didn't make any sense. Um, I I just I don't know what what it serves because I don't think Teddy will lead you to the the playoffs. I just, I don't I don't see it happening personally. So um, he you know, ste- steady Teddy, he, you know, he, he is what he is, but that, what we have, we have such a good and strong roster. You look, you look at it and across the board, you know, there, there are very few areas of, of obvious weakness, right. Um, that, that you can see. And so I, I think we got fooled personally. I think we got fooled a little bit by 2015 and thinking you can have a, a game manager because this is what we seem to think Peyton was ignoring the leadership of Peyton Manning like we saw you saw the O-line all come together and chant his name in the Super Bowl okay you also had like incredible leadership throughout that um, team um, DeMarcus Ware you know both of those guys we saw the the Super Bowl 50 look back that the the team did this year and, and you heard the you know the reverence that the guys talked about Peyton and talked about DeMarcus and also talked about Coops and Wade and you know that that coaching staff were you know incredible so to me we need we got fooled by that we think you can can build around uh you know a game manager but the game manager needs to be very special and Peyton mightn't have had the physical tools that he had in previous years but he still had that mental capacity he still had that ability to inspire um 
so I, I, that's my take. I, I think that we are approaching it in, in the wrong way. And personally, uh, as things stand today, I would much prefer to start the season with Drew Locke. Yeah, I mean, there's times when I talk about the Broncos, I think Colm lives inside my head because, you know, he he, he kind of sort of manages to sort of voice a lot of the stuff that that, that, that I would agree with. Um, I think with something like this, you know, you have to you have to ask yourself, has Teddy Bridgewater been around long enough for us to know what he is as a quarterback? And I think the answer is almost certainly yes. Um, Teddy's been in the league, what, about eight years? Teddy, Teddy's a decent quarterback he's solid he's a game manager um you know the narrative seems to be that teddy has never had such a talented roster so many weapons um you know that be that as it may um i think he played on a new orleans saints team that had about six pro bowlers for a couple of games but you know that seems to be conveniently left out is drew Locke? has he had long enough in the league to show us what he is or what he can be the answer is no he hasn't he had a very disappointing year last year, and he had a very disappointing middle section of the year last year. There was like a four-game stretch where he just couldn't seem to stop throwing interceptions. But I did think he improved towards the end of the season. Um, the interceptions sort of uh, went went considerably down. Um, look, you know, Locke needed to play an awful lot better, um, but he still has elite arm talent. The question is, can he put it together mentally? Um, we don't know yet, but I don't think the way we've gone about it is necessarily going to help him. Um, and I think then I would prefer if Drew Locke started the season because I still think there's the potential there. I don't think Teddy is going to do much more than win you seven or eight games. If Teddy wins the job and Teddy wins you seven or eight games, then you are yet again in quarterback purgatory because not only um, do you not have a franchise quarterback, but you've won too many games to get you within striking distance of picking one in the top five or top eight. Like we have had the Broncos, and this is the thing I think that that, that is the most damning of all. We have had two picks in the top 10 in the last four years, and yet we still haven't got a clue who our quarterback is. Now that's dereliction of duty sort of territory that you're moving in. Um, you know, Josh Allen, um recently signed a 258 million dollar contract um you know we had Josh Allen the most John Elway quarterback of all time like he even looks like John Elway plays like John Elway is tall big strong mobile cannon arm anyway it, that's gone so we we've 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 concocted this quarterback battle um and not only have we concocted this quarterback battle but we don't seem any closer to actually being able to decide who it is. Like all the sound bites are, you know, it's 50, 50, no one's separated. We're going to see what happens in the games. Um, if you look at the, the Broncos, their official videos, they are at pains to show one throw from Teddy is followed immediately by a throw from Drew. There's, you know, so the old saying, Michael, is if you have two quarterbacks, then you don't have any quarterback, and never has this been truer than now. I hope Drew Locke plays out of his, his, his skin on Saturday. I hope he wins the job, and I hope he improves. I don't know if he will. I think a coach like Vic is inherently conservative because he's a defensive-minded coach. He's uh, He's been around a little bit longer. I think if it comes down to it, 
if it's his choice, which it supposedly is, I imagine he will probably lean towards Teddy Bridgewater and eight and nine. Here we come. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I loved your voice towards the end there. That that game against the Vikings is at uh, 9 o'clock, Ireland, UK and 2pm Mountain on Saturday. Um, I agree with a mixture of what you boys are saying, right? I, I completely agree with it myself to an extent. Like, I've really tried to look this year at a, at a you know, mentally at this team as a as a clean slate. George Payton comes in. You're thinking, the talent's there. Like, these are money years for, like, guys like Vaughn Miller, Bradley Chubb coming back, Justin Simmons. I mean, no offense. Do I have to keep going? Like, I'm not going to keep going. There's no point. You could name about 15 players there. You know, this this team, and Column said it, is if you have a quarterback in this team, it, it's up there. It's it's challenging big time. And I think this is, forget about who's actually going to start. That's actually the most frustrating thing right now that we're sitting here three or four weeks out from the NFL kickoff and, and we're in this position. So look at it in this way. The way that I see it is this. Drew Locke. Did I think he had a good season last year? No, he didn't have a good season last year. But the reality is he probably does deserve the opportunity. If we're going to give him a full whack at it, let's give him the opportunity. Look at Josh Allen. He was given time and it worked out okay for him. I'm not saying he's in the same league as him whatsoever. He's not. But on the other hand, you've mentioned there, boys, about they're showing one play from from Teddy and then immediately one play from Drew. And I I feel for them because it's, it's it's a really difficult situation. But I, if you actually look at what's been coming out from the pressers between George Payton, you know, he said today, I don't look at the quarterback position as pressure. We do think we've got two really good quarterbacks here. And he believes Teddy Bridgewater is a foundational quarterback in this team. Going from the way that Payton's handling himself, the fact that he actually went and got Teddy Bridgewater instead of doing the one thing like I... Colin will tell you, like whenever I was on the Irish NFL show and we didn't go for, for Justin Fields at nine, I was, I just couldn't understand it because that's the perfect, like get get a quarterback, put him behind Drew Locke and then Drew, this is your ship, mate. If you can't do it, grant, but you got the chance here. Bringing in Teddy for me, I, like I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is the answer, but I still think he'll be the starting quarterback. But he, Mickey, the thing about it is, though, it actually it was even worse than that because 
you'd already acquired Teddy Bridgewater by the time the draft came around, if memory serves yeah. me correctly. So what you do is you immediately ship Drew Locke out if you if you draft Justin Fields and you go, Teddy basically show the kid the ropes and you know the clear understanding is you know you know if if you do well, great, Teddy, that's brilliant. Um, but at best, you've got the season. Realistically, you've probably got about seven or eight games until Justin Fields comes in. That's just the way it, it works in the NFL. That's a tried and trusted formula, and it, it tends to reap rewards. We didn't do any of those things. We 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 picked a franchise cornerback who is a superb player by all accounts, and you know has the bloodlines that you want, and and has been brilliant for Alabama. There is no such thing as a franchise cornerback. It doesn't exist. That's the what is this? That means nothing. It's nothing. Was Deion Sanders a franchise cornerback in, 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 in Atlanta? No, he wasn't because it doesn't exist. There is no such thing as a franchise cornerback. Can I just say, just on the Josh Allen stuff and, and just on, like, in, in general, what you need to do in terms of, and, and maybe Peyton does this down the line, but you have to, you make a plan for your QB. Like the, the, Josh Allen didn't just magically change into, you know, um, a, a great QB last um, last year. He was also ranked as the 87th best player in the league going into last season. So this notion that he was this awful QB, like the Bills, he'd led the Bills to the playoffs as well. So that's the other thing to consider. Like he didn't magically transform last year. Yes, his accuracy got much better but some of that they brought in digs and some of that he worked on the mechanics but the thing about it is the point is they knew what they wanted they traded up to get him they built around him they had they put a system in place and they let they they let that system be but they knew he was the guy we like drew we we didn't pick drew drew wasn't our first pick in the in the draft like drew went in the in the second round so like how much faith did we have in him then we kind like you know they they we do everything possible to appease flacco who says that he you know tra- you know training the kid isn't his job anyway um but we do so we don't help drew we then get rid of the the oc who's done incredible work with him uh towards the end of his first year we bring in pat Shermer. like we have we've done nothing in 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 that respect to to aid ignore that his name is drew lock to aid the qb development of the the guy that we we drafted so our approach to it makes no sense and then this year you take away reps from him like our our approach to qb development makes no sense it take away the names and who they are just the entire approach to it i am left baffled by it thing about it is column if and you're saying take away the name right there really isn't much apart from the fact that daniel jones throws less interceptions than Drew Locke at the moment. But when it comes to talent, I'd actually argue that Drew Locke is probably a, a more naturally gifted quarterback than Daniel Jones, from what I've seen up to this point. However, because Daniel Jones was drafted way too high by the Giants, but he was drafted in the first round, there is absolutely no question whatsoever that Daniel Jones is their starting quarterback yet again this season. So he will have had... Now, at the end of this season, if Daniel Jones hasn't shown market improvement, then I think the Giants are probably going to go, you know what, he's had... he, You know, because he started some games in his first season, he got all of last year, and he'll have all of this year. Then you're probably in the position to go, this hasn't worked out. 
the way we'd hoped. But at least they'll know. Like if if Teddy Bridgewater wins the job, um, which I would probably bet that he will. I don't particularly want to, but I think he probably will. Realistically, you're not going to know what, what Locke has because if Bridgewater wins a job, Locke is pretty much done unless Teddy Bridgewater gets injured. Now, Teddy, you know, is has a tendency to get injured, so, you know, perhaps this is null and void. But realistically, if Bridgewater stays fit, this is it. It's over for Locke, and he's gone. You know what I mean? Like, that that's the thing. And, and there'll always be an element of regret where you go, I there was times when that kid flashed incredible arm talent, and it was just the mental side of things. And, you know, so I, I, I think... The different the people talk about Josh Allen. I talk about Josh Allen. Um, Daniel Jones is another one you have to look at. Now, Giants are a mess, but at least the Giants have gone. We are committed to this guy. We're going to try to improve the offensive line. We're going to try and get him some weapons. Whether or not he grasps the opportunity is kind of up to him now. But at least they've put things in place for him to succeed. I agree. I, I, I genuinely don't think we've done all we can to help the young quarterback. And a lot of it's to do with the fact that he wasn't drafted in the first round. The, there could be an element as well like where maybe Peyton would look at it in the sense where they've brought competition in and for a guy like Locke it gives him that maybe not pressure but maybe as we say here lads kick up the arse going right here we go Teddy's here we believe in you but you need to perform to a level the thing that I am concerned about is what level does that have to be how good does Drew Locke have to be on Saturday because we all know what the NFL is like one messed up pass or one messed up play that could define him for the preseason imagine drew lock goes out his first series and throws a pick six right like i don't want it to happen i i want him to go and ball out but that whole mantra that whole talk towards teddy then changes we have to bring it because if, if bridge if, if bridgewater starts drew lock is not seeing the field until at least week four week five and then at that point you've got a quarter of the season gone well, around that there, and I, I do think that they, they probably should, if they're if they're if they're going to stick to their guns, and I think they probably should go. You know what, Bridgewater's won the job, or Locke has won the job, and they are our starting quarterback now, bar absolute disaster from here on in. Because if you're chopping and changing from week to week, then that's that's even worse than what we've had up to this point. You know what I mean? There has to be no doubt. He's won the job. He is the quarterback for the rest of the season. That's what that, that's what I think anyway. Because then the quarterback's going to be... You can't have doubt when you're a quarterback. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, It is the most difficult position in sports, and you, you've got to do everything to help the guy, not to hinder them. So if you're scared about throwing a pick and the crowd going to turn on me, and suddenly I'm going to... You know, that's... that's. But given our track record of developing quarterbacks, that's almost certainly what we will do. That seems to be what, what you know... It's been a problem for as long as I can remember. We were blessed with John Elway, we were blessed with Peyton Manning, but the the in-between times and the after those guys has been very, very difficult. Finally, this week on Dublin to Denver, the Irish Denver Broncos podcast, on the Mile High Report podcast network, we're going to look at a player or an element of the team in detail each. So, Colin, I'm going to start with you. What's, what sort of thing do you want to talk about now going into this new season? I suppose one of the there there are a number of of different things that you know uh, I I think can be really exciting. I, I, the secondary, obviously, I've, I'm intrigued to see how Justin Simmons continues to develop because I think he is the best safety in the league. But for me, what is really intriguing is 
Draymond Jones because I think Draymond has incredible potential and that's not a secret so many people have said that but to me I want to see him um, take that step up this year I think he's capable of it Um, and so I think that that would be a real kind of asset to us like getting pressure up the middle is such a game changer in this league and and it's a very difficult thing to do but it is what makes Aaron Donald like the standout defensive player in in the league Draymond isn't Aaron Donald nobody's Aaron Donald but Aaron Donald is because he's Aaron Donald is so far ahead of anyone else in his position but that's what makes him because quarterbacks if, if you have like Pressure from the sides is 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 fantastic, and Vaughn is absolutely incredible what he did. And when you know you come, you paired him with Demarcus, but pressure through the middle, there there is nothing like it. And Draymond, I think, had six and a half sacks last year, which is you know impressive enough for a second second year player on a team that wasn't exactly stellar. I think um, you know he can really take that that step up, and I think that would be of huge benefit to us and i think you know with if if von can stay healthy and you have von bringing pressure you have bradley chubb on the other side if um, draymond can bring pressure from the middle and we have that secondary um we we should be um a properly uh difficult defensive unit and that that will make life very very difficult for opposing teams so to me draymond jones in his development is going to be really really interesting this year yeah for me um I'm going to pick a rookie. Um, I'm going to pick uh, Javante Williams, uh, the running back. Um, it's going to tie in with the, the quarterback stuff. I um, had heard that North Carolina had a really good team last year, and this was kind of unusual to me because North Carolina, I would have always associated with uh, basketball. Um, and I think, uh, so they were on TV, um, and also they had a quarterback called Sam Howell, I think, who is a kind of a Baker Mayfield clone. So I was kind of interested to see him. So I didn't know anything about Javante Williams um, until I started watching the game. And he was part of a one-two punch with uh, Michael Carter, who was another highly uh, drafted running back. I can't remember who drafted him. Uh, But Javante Williams um, really stood out for me in the game. He scored a couple of touchdowns. Um, I think, now I thought Melvin Gordon did well last year. I know it wasn't, it was slightly controversial to bring Melvin in. I know Philip Lindsay uh, was much loved and sort of one of the beacons in, in, a, in a difficult couple of years. Um, I'm not going to say Javante Williams will make the fans forget Philip Lindsay because that's, that's impossible, but he's a really good player. He does everything well. He's fast, he's strong. He broke more tackles than any player in college football last year. Um, he's a touchdown machine. He blocks. Uh, very importantly, he catches balls out of the backfield, which I think is something that we we haven't been great at in the last few years, and that can really help um, a quarterback if it is Locke, for example. So Javante Williams is somebody I think is going to add a lot of juice um, to to the offense. And I think if we're a, if if we're going to have the identity that we should, if we're going to be a defensive team, then we need to run the ball well. I think he will complement Melvin Gordon, um, and I think he may end up um, sort of usurping him towards this, the end of the season. But he's he's going to be a really really good player for Denver. He's he's, he's somebody to be really excited about. I agree with both your points, boy. It it, it really is. A, it's it's a very exciting time. That's why we had that real, I guess, 
discussion about quarterbacks because if we had that sorted, I think we could really look in that sense and be like, yes, that, that, that's my viewpoint. And look, I'm not going to focus on the quarterback debate much longer. Maybe we can do that next week. But for me, lads, it's uh, it's Jerry Judy. Once Cortland Sutton went down last year, I was really like, this is it. This is his time. Even before that, the hype around Jerry Judy last year when he was coming into the league was incredible. I've never seen anything like it in my life, but it just didn't work out. He dropped a lot of balls. What was it, like 17... 17.1% drop rate last season. So it wasn't great in comparison to other rookies in the league, but I think Judy's set for a big, big improvement this year. I think ESPN put him like second out of 15 guys going into their sophomore seasons to make that push to the next level. But having KJ Hammer, having Cortland Sutton, and having the rejuvenated Jerry Judy in the second year of his career, learning from, not mistakes, but learning from small issues, also, I think one very valid point that not a lot of people are talking about is these boys, a lot of the you know the rookies especially, came in last year, brand new system, into the NFL for the first time. And for a, the majority of the year, for a lot of the year, they played in empty stadiums. I don't think for rookies that were under pressure already, having that silence helps them. They want to be focused on the game. And you've seen players come out and talk about that there. So I, I'm interested to see what Judy can do on his targets. And that's where it almost goes back to the quarterback situation. You know, you, you drew Locke. I think he said he was joking. He was scared of Jerry Judy, saying he was a beast. But he's been he's been flying in training camp, lads. And I just can't wait to see what he can do this season. I think I'd love to see him emerge as, honestly, I'm not saying he's going to be WR1. I'm not saying that, but I'd love to see him challenge for that. Because if he's doing that, then the team's doing well. And going on what Stewart said as well, get that run game going, get Judy, get Sutton, get all those boys involved. It's good times. Please, God, if we can get the quarterback situation sorted. Uh, any other final points before we wrap it up this week, lads? Just um, happy that we actually have football back this uh, weekend. And it means that we are that much closer to competitive football. But I am interested to, to see because obviously, look, we're going to begin to see the cuts to the roster happen now um so we'll you know they there'll be five cuts and obviously who's going to make the the 53 who's on the bubble so they even though it is preseason, and you know that means that the starters will maybe play a quarter it, it there's still plenty to to keep an eye on as we uh work towards that opening uh game of the season against the giants yeah, and for me, um, I, I don't think I've ever actually watched uh, a preseason game live because they're usually on very, very late um, and it's not worth staying up <laughs> that late to watch a preseason game. So from our point of view, I think this one kicks off at 10 o'clock. Um, so I'm, I'm going to watch nearly all of this. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and I think for, for, for the Broncos, it has add, added importance because of the quarterback battle it seems like everything kind of leads back to the quarterback battle but i guess until you don't have one then you know you're always looking for one Um, so i'm really looking forward to it i think there's going to be some interesting stuff um you know the other thing that we we haven't really sort of got fixed yet is right tackle which seems to be kind of in a state of flux as well to be interesting because i know massey came in but calvin anderson seems to be playing with the ones a lot and he seems to be doing well and that might be a mike munchak project because he does have some talent and uh, but yeah really looking forward to it and um as you say, closer to real football. We're ticking, ticking the, the, the Sundays off now. Nearly there. Nearly there. Absolutely. 10 p.m. Europe time, 9 o'clock Ireland, UK. Even for better. People in the States. Even better, Michael. People in the, people in the States are going, what are you talking about those times? 
Uh, 2 p.m. Mountain, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. There we go. We got it done. You can follow us, lads. So, Colm, you can follow Colm at Colm, C-O-L-U-M, from Cork. Uh, I'm at Michael underscore NFL. And Stuart is at PurpleHeartTC. Maybe he'll explain that username choice next week in the show. But, lads, good for show. Appreciate your time. And we'll chat next week after the game, yeah? Sounds good. Looking forward to it.